0: Love, talk Radio.
1: This is Creativity and Play. I'm Steve Goldberg. And I'm Mary Alice oh. Long. You can find us online at creativityandplay.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Creativity Play, and download Archive Petitions on iTunes. Our guest today on Creativity and Play is dancer, educator, and facilitator Elizabeth Yoakam. Elizabeth is founder of Participlay, which is a body based social spiritual approach to connecting people to each other. She has also taught master classes in the Department of World Arts and Culture at UCLA, led workshops for the national nonprofit youth and community outreach organization, Turning the Wheel Productions in Los Angeles, and directed gallery exhibitions internationally. Elizabeth Yocum, welcome to Creativity and Play.
0: Oh, thank you, Steve. I'm delighted to be here. I'm married, too. Thanks so much for having me.
1: Thanks for being here. Well, I, I feel like we need to unpack your organization's description so people know what we're talking about when we talk about Participate and and uh, how to engage the body and movement and what does body-based social-spiritual approach mean?
0: I appreciate the question. It's always um, it's always a task to figure out how to talk about um, an experience that's sort of in real time in the moment. Um, training for which, as an art historian, has been great because it's how to write how to write about art, how to write about sculpture, how to write how to write about something that is a felt experience with um, a painting, sculpture, a photograph. So. Um, the body-based social-spiritual approach is really at the core of what Participlate is. And that is engaging all, all of the senses, um, engaging all the ways that we learn. So that's a kinesthetic. That's a moving. That's a interpersonal. That's intrapersonal. It's um, the sense of sound, the sense of touch the sense, the visual sense. And so participate gathers all of these ways of learning, of connecting, of being, um, and applies that to whether you're an audience member in a conference, you're on a docent tour at a museum, or I work with people one-on-one. So it's the art of bringing play to all of those senses all those ways in which we apprehend the world um to our life.
2: So Elizabeth, um I was wondering because um we when we were beginning to talk about our show today, you said when we mentioned kindergarten the show we the um song we start with that, oh, that'll be easy to act like a kindergartner or be a kindergartner during the show. And
1: mm. so um the
2: question is what is your, what, can you tell us a little bit about your play history, meaning your history as a child and how you like to play and how what did that lead you to a certain definition of play or philosophy of play that you integrate into your work with play Today?
0: Mm, what a beautiful question. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I would say this, the short answer is I had a very playful childhood full of um, art and dance and music. Um, I grew up in a house. We are four children. My mother was a studio artist. My father was an attorney. Um, and my mother was the biggest player. She would break out in singing in public spaces. She really, that membrane for her between um, the child and the adult was thin, you know. So I experienced sort of that early container of, of art and play and life and music, it all kind of being together as, as in my childhood. And then, unfortunately, my mom died when I was about 10 years old. So for me, that, the impact of losing her initiated me into sort of the greater mystery of life, And it also brought in a lot of grief and sorrow and sadness and confusion for many, many years. But the child, that which I experienced in my early childhood, which was full of play, full of wonder, full of curiosity, um, I sort of Trojan-horsed it into my adult life and really began to blossom again, traveling and teaching with Turning the Wheel um, and creating experiences through building community um, with dance of playing That was at the core of what I thought I was doing, what was most important to me, and what is my work. So the child in me, the kindergarten in, in me, is so alive and available. And I think it is at the core of everything I do with participate. It's the core of who I am. And um, it really is a lifestyle living a life where the child is accessible, the adult is accessible. In a mother-maiden crone system, the crone is accessible. You know, it's all alive. And that to keep moving through and with those, the archetypes or energies, is an incredible antidote to serious things like death and loss and divorce and trauma. Um... And so I keep infusing my work with that philosophy, with that approach.
1: You you talked about um in the beginning of our conversation two parts of, of your past and work, the um the art history part of your your studying and the work that you do now with participate sometimes in museums and what was the the bridge to that, I right? uh in terms of Linking art history, which I I suppose for some people might be a very cerebral activity, and uh, bringing in the the movement and and interaction part with with sculptures and museums that you were talking about.
0: Exactly, it's it's a life. You know, my father was really an art history professor in hiding, though he was an attorney. So the conversation about art is um, (laughs) is, um, as old as the hills in my family. So. And then coupled with traveling the world, um, producing exhibitions globally, but also as a student of art history, I have spent a lot of time looking at art, thinking about art, and as a dancer, sensing into what I feel about that art. Where does the energy want me to go? And especially around sculpture, um, it's historical. Gian Bologna, an Italian sculptor, um, created sculpture in the round. That is how it's meant to be experienced. So following the impulse of a dancer, following that to be moving around it, interacting, participating with um, art became a natural progression of both studying it from, as you say, a very cerebral perspective, and also looking at it from the perspective of a dancer. How can I dance with this work of art? And I think inherent in the creation of art, it's a reflective tool for us as humans. It witnesses us. That which we've created in two-dimensional, three-dimensional, now in um, the visual effects world, and we're creating holographic art, it begs, it is there to interact with as a witness to who we are, what we create, and furthermore to give us feedback about who we are and where we are and the context we're living, with, living in, and how to make sense of it, how to greater participate with it. So it was really bringing those two worlds together um, in participlay, again, art and play. And I love this word that um, I, I created with a dear, dear friend of mine, um, Jacqueline Richie Krieger, that art and play in ici, which from the French means here, it is here, these merge it's here that we deepen our understanding as human beings of ourselves and the world that we've created around us.
2: well, it's interesting how you create in um live you create live events in these big pub- public spaces often and in I know you're talking to Francis spaghetti Museum about some events and so I uh, one of the questions I have is about how use of space as partner. How does that space affect community play and how do you see play played out in different spaces? Elizabeth? It's
0: it's a great question. And I work with um a wonderful photographer here in Los Angeles, Andre Andreev. And over the years, um He's photographed my work, and he said once to me, which, which was incredible feedback, that the, the, the buildings, the architecture that you're working in um, haven't felt what they, they feel when you're in there. They come alive. He sees the architecture sort of begin to respond. And I think, you know, we're all at some degree moving molecules. You know, whether it's more in a more solid form or a more liquid or a more gas. And I feel like to from a body based approach, um, moving and sensing and sort of becoming pliable, then we begin to experience space built for the spaces in between as pliable form as well. So and by virtue of walking through a space Changing the patterns, how we interact with space, whether it be an auditorium, whether it be um, uh, Third Street Promenade here in Santa Monica that I've run, you know, a, a diva dance mob for a business coach, Christine Morassi. It's people begin to see these spaces differently by virtue of breaking patterns, interacting differently differently. Um, and therefore, we also, public space, architecture, are relate, we, we imbue a more deeper relationship with the places in which we live. We pay attention, is what I'm trying to say. We pay attention of how we are in those spaces, how we've been in those spaces, and what the potential is if we shake things up a little bit, if we move differently through that space, if we um, show up differently.
1: You mentioned before we uh, went on the air that some of the work you do is also with corporations. Can you describe what that looks like and, and what kind of reaction your participants have in those settings where movement in the body is not exactly part of everyday life in most of those settings? Yeah,
0: and in the corporate settings, that's um, sort of, a um, for me, a, a frontier. I've worked with a number of business Um, people individually. And as I mentioned, um, hired by Christina Morassi, who's a business coach, to work with her entrepreneurs um, because she wanted them to have an experience of how they could get out of their own head, get out of their own box. You know, to be an entrepreneur, you have to push the edges of your own self-confidence. You know, and so how to do that beyond just speaking about it. It's really a body-based or body-mind-spirit um, conversation. So we can talk about getting out there and and, and um, developing your brand, developing who you are, integrating all of those pieces. And when we make it a body-based experience, working with movement, interaction, um, games, or sort of movement theater experiences, all of which I work with, then people get to see where in their body lives the obstacles to their self-confidence, where in their body lives um, the the confines of maybe their communication, you know, about who they are. And then the magic is that when we have a community experience around that, then people in their journey of transformation through these, you know, leadership. Through these self-confidence, through this communication, get witnessed by you know their other their other participants in becoming more of who they are. So in terms of the corporations, and I was on an incredible um, was included in an incredible conversation with um, David Gibbons, very much um, about the shift, the corporate shift that is upon us, the corporate shift that's happening, that play and. Creativity and body-based play and creativity um, is very much at the core of the conversation of how to shift that body, which is corporate, is the body, embodied, you know. So how people work together, how do they feel about their work? How are they are they reaching their potential? Are they feeling, you know, taken care of by themselves and by the corporation? And so I think Participate, I know it is very much at the center of that conversation because I've seen it. I've seen entrepreneurs completely open up and expand in the sense of who they are, and therefore that feeds their productivity, it feeds the bottom line. Um,
2: Elizabeth, what are, in deepening that, what you were just saying, like to ask, what are some of the preconceptions or the pre-birth ideas that people have in their head? I think they they really know this um, in some intellectual way, or they're very unconscious about it. On the other side, they're 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 going through these patterns in their life, but they're not really embodying um, their true selves. So, how do we move beyond this? these preconceptions that people have about play, about dance, about movement, about the body and the arts, and move into a place of participation of play in everyday life. So even, you know, so these great sweeping events are one thing, how about in our everyday, um, the muddles of our lives?
0: Mm, I I really appreciate that question, Mary, and really the, the listening for how to you know, make it real, you know, how do we bring this into our everyday life, and I think that, um, you know, I really think that it, 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 what has been upon me is to define what is my definition of play, because I'm a dancer, and I'm a singer, and, you know, I'm the fourth child of four children, so I'll tap dance, you know, I'll, I'll tap dance in public, and I'm fine with that, but not everyone has that level of comfort. So i really, in terms of bringing my work out and making it accessible to everyone, I think it really lies in um, the definition of play for me being changing patterns, even if they're the slightest, you know, change, even if they're the slightest pivot when you're sitting at your desk how you walk to your car, maybe you sit down at the dinner, dinner table in a different chair. I mean, it's making these sort of incremental shifts in our daily life that I think is part of play because I think play is, for me, is getting out of the known and stepping into the unknown because our lives, the richness of our lives lives in what is known and definitely what is unknown and the two being able to flow in and out. So the other part of that is that experiences be well-facilitated. You know, I've been on a rigorous um, training, I think, my my entire life. Or there are other things that happened in my childhood that really allowed me to step into a place of facilitating. You know, my mother was very sick and died. My father had brain cancer, and was forever sort of in a some process of recovery for the rest of his life. So I was in a position as a young child to sort of be very aware and observe people and observe my father and to hold space and facilitate. And now I'm so grateful for that experience because today I believe that experiences, especially around play, creativity, people stepping out, people expanding, that they be well-facilitated. And by that I mean pacing people. You know, some people that I work with in the dance mobs and in workshops and some people in that dynamic, they'll they'll start dancing immediately. And then some people in the middle, they might, little dance might start in their hand. And then other people might want to hang back and watch, see how it unfolds, to see where their opening is, And they might not ever come in, but they might be an important role of the observer, of the witness, or they might slowly, slowly come in and have an experience at their own pace, at their own comfort level, um, so that they too can experience some permission, some permission to play. So I think the conversation is about permission to play, and those of us who... Are willing to step out on this edge and say play is important. Play brings so much to our lives, and it's nuanced, and it can look many different ways. And it's you know, it's sort of like religion. It's a personal, <laughs> it's a personal journey. It's a personal conversation. Yet, those of us who step out onto that edge, I think, really be mindful of facilitating something well, so that people get to have full kind of authority, full choice about how they're going to make that journey. And then they own it, you know? Then they know it. They own it and they integrate it into their lives. So baby steps and allowing the nervous system to take the baby steps and then integrate. And take baby steps and integrate.
1: So for people who aren't, Sort of intentionally thinking about this in their lives, uh, in terms of their playfulness, perhaps. How do you invite them into that, or, or if particularly on their own, as opposed to being in a workshop with you? You know, for somebody who might be listening to this who isn't thinking about their playful selves, but might be sparked into thinking about it because of a conversation like this. What advice do you have for them to pay attention?
0: To their play,
1: or to step into their play, in an intentional way. Yeah, if if that's not a complete paradox and oxymoron to the intentional play.
0: (laughs) No, no, I think it's exactly there. I mean, I think you've you've you know given the advice, which is to pay attention. You know, I my because my my mom died young, and so I became my dad's companion to the art museums and we would just spend time looking at art and the one thing he said to me that always stayed close is pay attention. What are you looking at? So you answered it that people pay attention. What feels good? What's fun? And allow themselves to have more of that in their lives. You know? Um, Notice patterns just to notice them, notice how they walk to their car every day, notice where they sit in their house every day. And then just that permission, just that invitation to do something different and to bring that into the everyday. Um, And all the while just loving, loving ourselves for our patterns and for our, you know, breaking those patterns. Um there's something else I was gonna say. I think it'll come back to me, but
2: Well, I I know that um being online quite a bit with social media and that that um I've often heard and read that people will do things online that they wouldn't do in person. So I wonder if we can't just before we end today, at least have a few like maybe a thirty second breakout here and just play a little bit. So, what would you suggest, Elizabeth? Well, I um, we move into that.
0: Yeah, I would love that. And I just remembered if I could go back um, uh, to Steve's question. What's been a really powerful thing is that I have, when I work, especially one-on-one with people, I have this wonderful play interview that I've that I've worked up, and just simple questions. People, I encourage people to ask themselves, when did they last? play, you know, so when did they last play and what was that like and did they stop playing at any age? I mean, these questions, these very simple questions and intake into our playful life yield really interesting information about who we are and our relationship to play and when do we play and how does it feel or why did we stop playing or it's just great fodder, great grist for the mill. So just to go back to that, see, just to complete that um, thought. Thank and Mary, to play, um, I mean, there's a, if you just like, in, we're in front of our computers and this this great thing that a dear friend of mine, um, Frank from London, and I created, which was sit dancing. So I invite you for the next 15 seconds or 20 seconds just to expand that, just to dance, just to move, just to even it, shake your hands, shake your hands, shake your hands, or invite you to reach, which could be a stretch. Would you be like, Are you doing it, Mary and Steve?
2: I am. I are am. You yeah. lifting, are you moving? <laughs> yeah. We're just giggling, which is reading. And, that, and is I'm laughing. I'm laughing, of course. <laughs>
0: And maybe you can share what your sit-dancing looks like.
2: Steve, what See, does your sit-dancing look like?
1: I'm on a wobbly chair that seems to be getting wobblier as I use it at my desk, <laughs> so it makes it quite easy to
2: uh,
1: <laughs> dance whether I intend to or not. But but again, to our conversation a moment ago, I can pay attention to that.
0: Mm, beautiful. And also sit dancing can just be like looking to the right or looking to the left. I mean, there's so much we can actually do when we're sitting on an airplane or sitting in front of our computers. And I also, another thing of play is put things on a, I get up and I I do dance, I do move. I walk around the block, you know, I I work out of my office at home and um, so it's good to just break those patterns and get up and move and shake and put on some, Loud music.
2: How are you well, doing, Mary? I was, I, was, um, I, well, I was shaking my hand at first and then laughing, and then and then I was making faces because my granddaughter and I, we well, do this frequently anyway, but she and I, particularly, we have this partnership where we make faces with each other. She's mm. three and a half now. And so my daughter told her, Now, Jenny, don't do that with anybody else than Nana. <laughs> She said, don't think you're crazy, but you can do it now." Nana. So she makes these, you know, really, sometimes really grotesque. <laughs> like she looks really mad or whatever. But we have this great time, and we giggle, and we laugh a lot. So, so I was doing that along with and moving around the room. That yeah. is beautiful. That is beautiful. I mean,
0: yeah. have barely even touched upon how movement and making faces and changing shapes how much that feeds our brains, you know, giggle, feed our brains. So thank right. you for thank playing. Thank you for that That little
1: Well, that I think so much of what all three of us just described in, in doing that are such little things or can be such little things. And, and again, mm-hmm. for, for sort of how do you step into this in perhaps subtle ways that you might not even describe as play, but... We can do from our desks, or do while we're driving, or do in places that you know kind of call us to perhaps be more playful. But we sometimes or frequently are not. So um, I think you know that was such a good reminder of how simple it can be to get started and to pay attention and to experiment and play and and, yeah, and, deal, and go from there.
0: And and Mary, as you were saying. Who are the people that you love to play with, you know? Who are those allies? And if it's important to you, if this calls to you to bring play more into your life, be with those people more. It is like a health, wellness, you know, uh, initiative. Like you can be with our nieces and our nephews. Be with whoever it is that that reminds us that will go right there. And it can be an adult. It doesn't have to be nieces and nephews. But I just encourage people, follow what feels good. Follow the impulse. Follow the energy. And energy begets energy. And that, I think, is how we bring it into our our daily life.
1: Elizabeth, I want to thank you very much for joining us today on Creativity and Play to talk about all these topics and how we might uh, become more playful in our everyday lives.
0: Mm, thank, you. thank you. Thank you deeply, both of you, uh, for the invitation.
1: Our guest today is Elizabeth Hyokum, who is founder of Participate. And thank you we can find more on her website about her work and herself at Participate.com. Our theme music is kindergarten, composed and performed by Jonathan Batiste. You can listen to this show and previous shows again and find out more information about our guests and coming shows at creativityandplay.com and find Creativity and Play on Twitter, Facebook, and iTunes as well. Creativity and Play is a production of the International Center for Creativity and Imagination in partnership with the National Creativity Network. I'm Steve Dahlberg.
2: And I'm Mary Alice Long. Thank you for joining us, Elizabeth.
0: Mm, thank you. Have a playful day.
2: Thanks. You
1: too. too. <laughs>